Welcome to J-Cats, a program that seeks to introduce Japanese contextualized literature and ideas for use by missionaries and anyone that seeks to share the gospel with Japanese people. Hey guys, this is、uh, John. Welcome to JCATS.、Um, good to have you with us. Yeah, how was、uh, how's your February going? feel like it's、uh, starting to warm up a little bit, which I'm very happy about. I,、um, when I was dropping、uh, my daughter off at preschool on a bicycle in January,、um, I, I would just wear whatever warm clothes I had. And it, I look kind of like a, like a homeless guy, maybe, kind of. And then、um, my wife started becoming friends with some of the moms from the,、uh, from the preschool, right? And then a few of them showed up at church a couple of times. So I, I felt bad wearing my,、um, you know, being seen in my really kind of not great warm clothes, not great looking warm clothes. So I had to like go out and buy some. Slightly nicer looking warm clothes, but now it's starting to get warm anyway, so、um, so I'm relieved. Anyway, yeah,、uh, how was your, you know, that's that's how my、um, year's going so far. But anyway, I hope you all are having a good year, figuring out, you know, how to deal with uh, winter. Uh, sorry, I'm from California, so yeah, winter means anything below like. Like、uh, 60 Fahrenheit, you know, like、uh, 10 Celsius or something. But I didn't actually, you know, start recording this morning to talk about、uh, winter, right? Here to talk about、um, the church in Japan and how we can better contextualize or how we can、uh, hear from. Japanese sources to learn about the church in Japan and how Japanese Christians think. Often it's not the way we naturally think. And so today,、um, instead of having a guest that I'm going to chat with, it's going to be more like story time, story time with Uncle John, you know?、Um, it's me to my nieces and nephews, of which there are like a dozen. I really don't even know because I have seven siblings and, and they're just kids all over the place. Kids all over the place. Every time I meet a niece or nephew, I'd be sure to introduce myself. I'm getting off the point. Anyway, so story time with Uncle John, right?、Um, about a year ago,、uh, I signed up for some Japanese lessons, tutoring with a school. Uh, in uh, Tokyo, that I have worked with or have studied with in the past. Good experiences. And I signed up for a 10 week course tutoring for the JLPT, which I had planned on taking. So I signed up for my 10 week course, and then I forgot to sign up for the JLPT. So, and I missed the deadline. So I had a 10 week course signed up. And、uh, nothing to study. 
because then the next JLPT obviously would be six months down the road. So I thought to myself, maybe we can study a Japanese Christian book to sort of help me understand, you know, how Japanese Christians think, or the, at least, you know, get better, get a better grasp on the vocabulary and, and things like that. And so, um, my Japanese teacher, who is not a Christian, agreed to uh, go through a book written by, um, at the time of writing, in uh, ICU professor, ICU's International Christian University. It's one of the more prestigious universities in Japan. Um, it is where the emperors, the former emperors' grandchildren, a number of them, graduated from. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it's well-respected in Japan. Um, the book is written by Morimoto Andi, who, is a, who had been a professor until just recently at ICU for, I don't know, 20 years or so, I think. The book is called Gendai ni Katari Kakeru Kiristokyo. Gendai ni Katari Kakeru Kiristokyo. Christianity that speaks today. Uh, about 120 pages. Um, and it just, you know, it's a, it's kind of an intro to Christianity book. I would not at all be surprised if it was even the textbook for ICU students taking an introduction to Christianity course. Um, but I can't verify that right now. Anyway, that is the book that uh, my Japanese sensei and I went over for 10 weeks. And from those uh, lessons, um, I was really happy to have a conversation that went over sort of a gospel type of presentation. And then along the way, asking my teacher, please give me your thoughts as a Japanese person. What might, what potential objections might you have hearing this story hearing this presentation and so we got a lot of good um a lot of good stuff in that we went uh and so that's what i'm going to share with you today is is the objections and hopefully some uh ways around them uh to a gospel presentation that uh, you know a japanese person might have this particular japanese person had and so we had objections or questions about original sin. I was just going to go over. I wrote down the topic names. Original sin, first. Second, the idea of um, a gap between a good or holy God and bad or sinful people. That was um, something that came up. Uh, substitution. Substitution. Uh, I think that in in the case that uh, my teacher may have been thinking that substitution looks kind of like the whole uh, whipping boy concept, you know? So we'll get to that. Substitution. Fourth, um, the afterlife. The afterlife. And then um, not related to 
my conversation with my teacher. Um, a few weeks ago, we had my friend uh, Kohei um, sharing with us, Japanese returnee. I think it's episode two or three, Japanese returnee, interview with a Japanese returnee. You can just go back to the archives and find that if you're interested. Uh, in that episode, uh, Kohei talked about reading Miura Ayako, who is a Christian novelist and a lot of people have, including Kohei, have you know maybe come to faith even through reading her novels and then thinking about faith as they're presented in those novels. And Kohei uh, remembered after we finished recording um, how one of those novels helped him think about forgiveness. And so I'm going to just sort of throw that. He recorded his thoughts for about five minutes. So I'll throw that on the end of this episode. So our fifth topic will be forgiveness. All right. Um, yeah, so let's just uh, get right into it. But before we get right to it, let me just give you um, an email address. If anybody wants to interact with the show or just uh, email me about anything that you think is pertinent, it's a jcatsjapan at gmail.com. Also, you can follow the show on Instagram, jcatsjapan. That's the Instagram handle. Um, sometimes I talk about books, right? And I think what I do is I, you know, take a picture of the book, put it on Instagram. Maybe when I'm out and about in Japan, I will take a picture of Japan. Um, sometimes like maybe Mount Fuji or other things, you know, that are about Japan. If that's your thing, then follow on Instagram, Japan. Okay, thank you. After that little uh, commercial, I will get to our story. Story time with Uncle John. So, uh, with my Japanese teacher, we started going over um, the... Well, we started with the Adam and Eve situation, right? Um, God creates... Adam and Eve, it is good. Adam and Eve are created good. And then Adam and Eve sin. And then humanity is fallen. Okay, so we get that far, right? And I'm asking teacher, you know, stop me at places that seem like they're not making sense or you might have this natural reaction uh, that you, you're not really tracking with or don't really like what you're hearing. So uh, around the time of Original Sin, we got to a um, one of those uh, objections. And it was interesting because I'd never heard this particular objection before. But uh, the teacher said something like, well, um, the idea or concept of Adam and Eve's sin... Um, being transferred to all of humanity seems unfair because Adam and Eve were were thieves. They were robbers, right? And I was like, really? I I hadn't thought of it that way before. But she's like, yeah, they stole the fruit, and that's like that's like robbery. But I'm not a robber, like. 
that's and so and what was interesting i you know you always hear in japan the word sumi carries a heavier uh tone than the word sin like it carries more of a criminal um tone so when you say people are tsumi bito sinners and people commit sin sumi in japan a lot of people don't like to be included in that because it doesn't just mean oh we make mistakes or whatever or we miss the mark it means you're criminal you know and so a lot of people don't like that and then this teacher took kind of took it in that direction because she didn't see the eating of the fruit as a sort of simple disobedience god said don't eat it and then they ate it she saw it as theft um and so why do we all have to be included in that and so the response well how we kind of got through that was i tried to explain that even the smallest you know sin um is going to be harmful to other people you know even even a small sin and we all do even small sins even if we're not all robbers or murderers or or whatever even if we're not all criminals, as we may think of criminals, we sin, we hurt each other, um, we're selfish. And so her suggestion was if we used – so if we wanted to explain that even little sin concept, she suggested using words like chisai uso or chisai uragiri. Chisai uso would mean small lie. Chisai uragiri would mean small betrayal, which to me sounded a lot stronger than sin. Betrayal sounds stronger than sin to me in English. However, to her in Japanese, she could seem to be okay to be told, well, even you, sensei, if you think about it, Sometimes you do chisai uso. You tell a white lie, right? Sometimes you chisai uragiri. You have little betrayals against people. And at least those were the suggested words from her. She didn't like the idea that we were we're all robbers because that means is a robber are robbers but she was okay with the truth that we all you know we all do these little at least you know because obviously there are people who are robbers and murderers etc but most people are not maybe going to include themselves in, in those in a first think through but if you say well everybody does chisai uso everybody does and those things hurt people and that's not the way that god intended it something like that she seemed to think that that would be a um, smoother navigation of the original sin topic so i offer that to you i have been using those exact words in gospel presentations for the past year now since um, my teacher was kind enough to share that with me so that's how we dealt with original sin Topic number two, um, the gap between a good God or a righteous God and bad 
or sinful people. This was an interesting objection to me because uh, you really, I think it's helpful to try to orient yourself uh, to the mind of a Japanese person here, okay? So let's think about God. Let's think about kami. Okay, now what are the kami in Japan? The kami are spirits. They're um, probably closer to like a middle realm type of situation, like not like the high god and not like humans, but like spirits, right? The kami, there's millions of them. They are sometimes rather than maybe saying good or evil i feel like people think of them as either benevolent or malevolent you know nice or mean sometimes nice to some people maybe and mean to others maybe it depends on how you interact with them and i feel like often a lot of people think it's maybe safer to try not to get too much attention from them lest you get the wrong kind of attention from them okay and that's not at all what we mean when we talk about our kami when we talk about the god who created everything out of nothing um and the god who loves humanity and sent his son Jesus to die for the sins of the world, that's a very different concept of God than the kami, the Japanese divine spirits. Okay? Uh, so, when we say God is good, God is holy, and God has an expectation, in a sense, for humans to be holy as well, or at least there is a gap between God and humans because humans have sinned, and that cut off fellowship between God and people. So you say it like that. I said it like that to my teacher, right? Okay, well, first, Japanese people don't think of the idea of wanting to have a relationship with the gods as very like it's not a natural thought because again if they if if there's some sort of relation with the kami it's generally more let's just stay on their good side or let's you know pray for a good test score etc it's not like relational right also the kami in japan don't have any you know, behavioral expectations for humans. If you steal something, or if you chisai uso, or chisai uragiri, your neighbor, the kami probably don't care. So the idea that God wants a relationship with us, but our sin has made that impossible is a very foreign concept. God is good. God is great. God loves us. God wants to be with us. Our sin has made that impossible. 
So another aspect of that that people maybe don't like that my sensei brought up was something that maybe is even more sort of panic mode for, for us Protestants, especially with any kind of reformedish leanings. My teacher said something to the effect of, well, if God is God is great, God is the creator, God is almighty, and then but he wants a relationship with us, but then we messed it up. Like, isn't that kind of his fault? Because he's the one that made us. He's almighty. And yet he made us and we sinned. And then that's on us was, was an objection that she had there that I thought was interesting. Um, and I'm going to show you here a book title that I, um, I have. Okay. So this is a, another, another book. I was introduced to this author. Um, because he did some stuff on the English um, page for the Gospel Coalition a few years back, uh, Nozomu Miyahira, and the book is called Sekinin o Pori Imi o Atairu Kami. Sekinin o Pori Imi o Atairu Kami. Um, taking the God who takes responsibility and gives meaning. The God who takes responsibility and gives meaning. I have heard this phrase, you know, um, I am married to a Japanese woman. It's great. Um, and so from for 15 years now. And so anyone who is married can probably attest that from time to time um, there are disagreements, maybe. They could be considered arguments, maybe. And then the way that we think, our expectations, right, come out in those arguments. Okay, so I, I have become familiar with the phrase, take your responsibility, because we tend to argue in English. Okay, but that's sekinin o toru, take responsibility. And maybe that expression or concept used to be used by you know, the shogun kind of days. And um, I think sometimes when samurai sekinin o toru take their responsibility, you know, sometimes that meant uh, seppuku, which is, you know, to, to, to cut, your, cut your stomach out, right? That's not what my wife was telling me, I'm pretty sure. Um, the concept is also, you know, used for uh, when you see on TV those those bosses of corporations when there's a scandal and then they they apologize and they bow and there's like 75 microphones and then there's like flash bulbs going off for like 20 seconds and then halfway through the bow gets deeper than it originally was and they're really trying to like seconding or like they're taking their responsibility, you know, party foul, got to take my responsibility, right? That concept, I think, you know, is um, what Japanese people feel. Um, and so we've got this Japanese theologian saying that we have a God who takes responsibility, which I, I'm going to, I'm hoping to read the book, but it's like, it's hard because it's in Japanese. And I've got all these other books that I want to read. Anyway, it's high on my to-read list. Um, 
But that was an objection that this Japanese teacher had about um, the gap between um, the good God and bad people. If God is great, maybe he could have made us not bad. And again, because the concept of a good, loving God that wants to be with good, loving people is just not really native to Japanese spirituality, like Shinto. Again, because the gods are not not great, they're not omnipotent, and they're not like generally good. They could be nice, they could be mean, they could be nice to this guy, they could be mean to that guy. They could be nice to this guy sometimes and mean to this guy sometimes. They're not they're not good and benevolent and merciful and loving at the same time having standards of righteousness. It's just a, such a different concept. So how do we get around that? Um, hold, please. At the end of this, I'm going to go over what sort of revised um, gospel presentation we went over and sensei liked. Okay, so uh, I'll leave that one at that for now. The gap between the good God and bad people. Objection number three. An objection to the concept of substitution. Why does Jesus die for our sins? Jesus didn't sin. We sinned. It's weird that somebody dies, accepts, uh, takes the punishment for someone else. Also, maybe it's weird that God sent Jesus to die for our sins. That's not very cool okay i'm these are kind of the the objection um we have the same objection in the states we call it divine child abuse um and you know if you think about it even even christians will object to this concept when applied in any other situation than jesus died for me how about the whipping boy right the Cook's son takes a whipping when the prince does something bad. That's the whipping boy concept. You can um, find it in fantasy novels. You can find it in maybe historical fiction, etc. The whipping boy. Nobody likes the whipping boy concept. And yet, when we present Christianity, we talk about Jesus died for our sins, or even God sent Jesus to die for our sins. Sounds to Japanese people a lot like the whipping boy concept. So it was a, an objection my teacher had. It was an objection that um, a junior high girl at my church had like two or three weeks ago when I was trying to do a, um, a gospel presentation. And in our discussion time after the service, she mentioned that again. Um, don't like don't like the idea that Jesus was sent to die for our sins. Um, thankfully, uh, you know. So how do we how can we present that? How can we get around that objection? Right. Uh, I don't know if this works for everybody, but another lady in church, Japanese lady, who is a returnee, who has has spent many years as a Christian in the states, so. I would imagine that, you know, 
her um she's been in the theological culture of an american church so these concepts are probably less uh less shocking to her culturally but um she pointed to another analogy that i used in the sermon i wasn't trying to get around the objection to substitution but in one of um the books that i have read and i will show you it's called theology of the pain of god by kazo kitamori really fascinating guy because in some ways he's hailed as like japan's first original theologian and then he's ignored by like everybody um so we'll go over him in a couple weeks i think i really hope um because i think he's really interesting and i think we can learn a lot from him whether we take everything or not which we probably won't but we still learn a lot from him anyway the objection to substitution kazo kitamori gives a parable in his um book where he tries to explain i guess what i'm calling substitution right now um and he says imagine yourself in a field during a lightning storm an open field during a lightning storm i think you know what's coming and i think I know what's coming, okay? So, but before, like when the lightning comes down to kill you because you're in an open field during a lightning storm, suddenly a giant hand appears over you and intercepts the lightning bolt, taking the lightning damage so that you don't have to. Taking the lightning damage so that you don't have to. Every time a lightning comes down, that hand covers you like an umbrella and protects you from the lightning and that is what it is like that jesus did for you or you know in kitamori kitamori likes um the theology of the pain of god so he's saying that's the sort of pain that god takes upon himself because jesus is god right um anyway the church lady said yes i too don't like that um the way that it's presented like god sent jesus to die for your sins but when i heard the example of the hand intercepting the damage of the lightning bolt i understood that much easier and i'm thinking to myself oh really because i never thought it was a very original example but so I think that the point is the reason that it's probably um like they like it is because it it maybe conveys more obviously that the hand is really jumping out and 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 intercepting the damage you know by probably by choice um also Maki told me my wife her name's Maki uh told me that japanese people think of lightning as divine judgment like historically like the idea of being struck by lightning is thought of 
as divine judgment. So this analogy really fit like Japanese people better than I realized when I originally read the book. The hand, the hand sort of leaps in the way of the um, divine judgment so that we are not consumed by that divine judgment okay so that's the um that's the example that i offer to you when you want to talk about substitution or what jesus did for us maybe instead of saying god sent jesus to die for your sins you can use this um use this example and people might like it better and they might not think about divine child abuse that you have to try to explain in Japanese why it's not divine some concepts are really hard for me to explain in Japanese and I imagine trying to explain divine child abuse in Japanese would be really just too much for me so I offer to you Kazo Kitamori's um, giant hand blocking the lightning bolt in the open field parable for what Jesus did that was like substitution the fourth um, obstacle that we went over in uh, our conversation my Japanese sensei and I uh, had to do with the afterlife um, in this conversation we had gotten to the point where there is a gap between sinful people and a holy God. And without reconciliation, that would continue into the afterlife. Um, and this sort of, you know, well, do you, you know, is there's eternal life to be had? There's um, eternal life without God, which we have words for, you know what I'm saying? It's a, don't always want to go straight to the H word here, you know, not talking about heaven. Anyway, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I mentioned directly hell in this particular conversation, but I was trying to impress that eternal life with God is good. It's better than the other option. And if I can just be less less flippant, I was I was actually, you know, at this point concerned. I like my Japanese teacher. I want her to become a Christian. And this Japanese teacher had cancer. She was in her fifties. She has has cancer, had cancer. I, I'm talking about a year ago, so you know. While I hope to study with the school and the teacher again, I haven't in about a year, so well, I hope she's okay. And I was like, okay, talking to a person who perhaps could have some urgency related to the afterlife. But her objection was, well, but Japanese people tend to teach their children that when they die, they will be reincarnated. Now, this isn't going to be, you know, across the board generalization, but it's obviously going to be much more common in Japan than it is in the West. Um, and so I guess what that sort of taught me 
was the that concept of what are you going to where are you going to go when you die is probably a felt need in the west much more than it is in Japan so when you're doing a gospel presentation you may need a different felt need for the gospel in your initial presentation than where you're going to go when you die because they just won't feel it if they have always been taught that they're going to die and they're going to be born again something somewhere and they're going to get another shot through this life okay so that was the fourth objection that my teacher brought up and then i don't remember resolving that one directly but i said okay how about this gospel presentation uh and then and she liked what i said next so i submit that to you if you would like to use this type of gospel presentation it may avoid some of the um natural objections the japanese people had because it seemed to register for my japanese teacher okay so i i said something to the effect of well the bible teaches that jesus that god is life and light and being with god is being with life and light but humanity has obviously um gone astray has left that light and that life and i think of it like camping you know in, in a not like at a campsite like a, in the in the woods or something right and you've got a campfire at night and that's going to provide um safety warmth um you can see where you're going what you're doing but if somebody just wanders away and gets lost then there's a lot of danger even just walking around in the dark at night in the woods you could hurt yourself pretty bad and that's what um humanity essentially is spiritually doing when humanity has walked away from god who is life and light however god loves people so much that god jesus came into the world he came into the darkness he came you know into even into when when you move away from light you get darkness when you move away from life you get death and jesus came all the way into death on a cross to essentially to bring us back to god to bring us back to life and light those who would believe in him those who essentially those who want it and yeah she was very um she was like oh well isn't isn't that that's a like a beautiful concept it's a beautiful way of explaining it how did things end with a teacher um we actually didn't quite finish the book we only got maybe about 75% through when our lessons were up and since it wasn't a text that the school used i was responsible for providing a copy both for myself and for the teacher which is fine it was like 10 bucks or something 
And so my teacher said, oh, technically this is your book, the one I've been using. Um, but what do you, do you want it back or can I, may I keep it? And she was interested in keeping it. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, if you read it, I'd love, I'd love to give it to you. And uh, she said, thank you. I will, I will finish it and I will read it. And, um, you know, again, while we, we didn't have any, any, uh, professions of faith, I was encouraged that through reading um, together, Gendai ni Katari Kakeru Kiristo Kyo by Morimoto Anri, um, her interest in Christianity was, was raised at least enough to finish the book um, by herself without it being work-related. And uh, so, yeah, those were... Um, objections that seem like would be common to the Japanese mind, objections to original sin, objection to the gap between good good God and bad people, so, uh, substitution, and the uh, concepts of the afterlife. And now I'm going to um, go ahead and turn it over to a recording of our friend Kohei, who again will be talking about... Um, his understanding of forgiveness sort of before and after um, reading through one of Miura Ayako's novels. Hey again, I'm by myself now, but um, it's just, it was John and I and, and Tsuji-sensei also talk a little bit about the word sin, tsumi in Japanese, and sometimes that's very foreign term, but it sounds very, very, um, more criminal word for Japanese people and you know, I think in the Western context maybe sin is more familiar words that biblical term of sin uh, where I think for average Japanese when you hear the word tsumi I think we think, tend to think they are the, we're talking about the crime um, so, the, so just to you know share about a little bit my testimony um, how I realize I'm a sinner or, or understand really what it means to sin um, was, you know, uh, I think I, I, I said this in the uh, previous podcast or previous interview, um, is, you know, I read the Ayako Mira's book and one of the book I read was Freezing Point. And the theme of the Freezing Point is forgiveness. You know, it's basically the, all the main characters really struggle to truly forgive others. Um, and in, in, in the other article Ayako Mira mentioned, um, you know, she said this was, you know, she write this book, you know, in the theme of forgiveness. And also she mentioned, you know, she wanted to understand people. It is really, really, really hard to, to forgive people from your heart. But then also she said, like, you know, um, before you're trying to forgive other, others, like, you really need to know that you need to be also forgiven. Um, and that word really stuck. <sighs> <laughs> we're good, we're good. <laughs> you, you can just cut it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, um, so, so the, where was I? Um, so like, um, 
so the the yeah that Ayakumira said like you know you, before you need to forgi- you know trying to truly forgive others from your heart you know um, you need to know that that you know you are the one that needs to be forgiven um, and you know I was in one day I was reading the track and it's kind of like you know typical gospel track you know God loves you but because of your sin you're separate from God things and then when I heard that word sin I first thing I thought about the you know the sin that people did against me, you know. You know, I I was bullied uh, by one classmate and the teacher, and I I really had time to forgive this two person um, for many many years. Um, but then all of a sudden, the Ayako Mira's word came into my mind as I reading the track. Like you know, you know, before you're trying to forgive others, you need to know that you are the one that who need to be forgiven. Um, and now all of a sudden, I remember, and I question myself: How many people has a hard time? today even today like you know um, to forgive me because I was bullied and I start bullying other people because I don't want to be bullied anymore and I could think immediately like maybe close to 10 people or more than 10 people may have a hard time to forgive me because of what I have, have done but all those years I only remember these two people you know who sin against me I, and selfishly I totally forget um, about um, the people who actually I sinned against are hurt, you know, simply hurt. And that's when I really finally understand that I am a sinner. I really need to be forgiven. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much this is might related to contextualization, but, and I don't know how this is true of represent, I am representing Japanese who understand, but then definitely I heard many, many people's testimony, you know, reading Ayako Mura's book really uh, becoming um, at least triggered to, to coming to Christ so but that this is just my story like you know finally I it finally makes sense to me what it means to be I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven and ask you know uh, that that's the moment I invite Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord and ask forgiveness of my sins